Blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So this psalm gives us a choice. It gives us two ways, sets them in front of us. God's way and humanity's way. And it says to us, do you want to learn to live God's way? And it tells us that real, lasting joy, satisfaction, and contentment are found by soaking our minds in God's word. So four points, three from the psalm, and then one for how to put it into practice this year. Firstly, that living by God's word leads to real happiness, one and two. Secondly, that living by God's word leads to lasting fulfillment, verses three and four. Thirdly, living by God's word leads to safety in the judgment, five and six. And finally, uh, just thinking for a little while about how to live by God's word and how to spend time with your Bible this year. So firstly, Living by God's word leads to real happiness. Blessed is the one. That's the the beginning of this psalm. Now, to be blessed like this, and we, we often think of it as sort of loose spiritual word, but it really does mean to have real happiness. The kind of real happiness that's based on real reality. In other words, you know, not the kind of false buzz you could get from an illusion or from drugs, but the real thing. Happiness that is based on knowing that things, that circumstances are right. Not pretending to yourself, not being false about it, but real happiness that has a good reason behind it. And and these verses offer us a choice. Do you want that? Do you want real joy and real contentment? Do you want real happiness and real satisfaction? And and these verses here, they set before us two different ways. And they say one of these ways will lead to that kind of happiness, joy, and satisfaction that will lead to the blessed life. The way most people, most of us live, is there in verse 1. It begins by walking in the counsel of the wicked. In other words, taking the advice of people who have the wrong priorities and aims not God's advice. Choosing to put the world's advice, the world's way of doing things at the heart of how we live. Now, of course, there's lots of good advice out there in the world. Um, The problem is that at its root, 
it doesn't have the main thing in mind. So, you know, if, right now, if, if you go out there and watch the TV or, or open your papers, there's lots about New Year's resolutions, uh, lots about good advice and how to start a new habit and how to stick to it. And if you do stick to a bunch of those resolutions, you'll finish this year very thin, very fit, having read an awful lot of books, uh, having started a successful business, and probably thoroughly empty inside. The Bible makes it clear, if you stick to the world's advice overall, you will be empty, left empty at the end of it. And more than that, if you start there, you end up, it says, standing in the way of sinners. In other words, not just sort of wandering into the way of sinners, the way they live occasionally, but standing there firmly. You know, that's where you are. That's how you live your life. And in the end, absolutely settling down into the seat of a mocker. What's a, a mocker? Someone who just makes fun of the whole thing, who just thinks that the Bible's daft and God's ridiculous and it's all silly. And as for the way it teaches you to live, just doesn't count for anything in the modern world. You know, you might, someone who might be happy to agree with some of the Bible, but will just say, ah, there's other parts. They're just ridiculous. They're outdated. They're not relevant. Sitting in the seat of a mocker. So starting by taking our advice more from the world than from God leads us slowly step by step into rejection of him. But there is another way. We should notice something straight away. It doesn't say the way to happiness is to be really, really good at obeying God's law. It doesn't say that you just need to live a good life. It's too realistic. The psalmist knows that you are not capable this new year of just turning over a new leaf, pulling yourself together and doing everything right. No, just as the first way began by listening to the advice of the wicked, so this way begins by listening to God, to delight in the law of the Lord, to listen, in other words, to God's word, to take pleasure in, in that. Now, the word law in the Bible is so easily misunderstood. Um, it is God's rules, and we, and we were thinking about that partly when we were talking to the kids, but it's more than that. It's God's fatherly instruction. It is his teaching and care for our whole lives. The blessed person is someone who is able to take delight in God's fatherly care and instruction advice for their life and who meditates on it day and night. Now, um, over the last few decades, meditate has become one of those words that means something quite different, quite sort of spiritual or airy-fairy. But in the Bible, it means something very simple. It's the, the old meaning of the word. It's just thinking about it often, hard, having it circle around in your mind. In other words, thinking prayerfully and pondering God's word regularly. The person who has the blessed life is the person who keeps God's word in mind. So this psalm is telling us that real happiness, whatever it may seem on the outside, comes from taking delight in God's word, meditating on it. And then, as a result, of course, shaping our lives by it. So it's giving us a choice of two ways to live. Who will you listen to? The advice of the wicked or the word of God? Will you listen mainly to your TV and to the news and to Facebook and to things you read in here? Or will you listen mainly to God's advice in his word? Which of those will shape your life? 
Now, I think most of us find it fairly hard to believe that that is where happiness really is found, don't we? But if, certainly if I think back, and I suspect many of you, all the happiest people I've known have been old Christians who have been soaking themselves in the Bible for years. They're full of contentment and happiness and joy, not because they had lots of things or easy lives, but because God's word has shaped them down deep in a way that brings real contentment, even when life is tough. And I'm sure many of you can testify the, the same experience in your own lives. You know, I, before Christmas, I was a bit busy. I read the Bible a little bit less than I normally do. And after Christmas, I've had the chance to read it a bit more. And lo and behold, I'm more content than I was. I'm more at peace than I was. I'm more joyful than I was, even in the space of a week. This stuff works. Secondly, living by God's word leads to lasting fulfillment. Now, I'm not quite sure if fulfillment is exactly the right word. Maybe you can think about that as we go through this. But it does lead to a lasting solidity in life, an ability to be what we ought to be in every circumstance. It certainly doesn't look that way to us, does it? It's easy to envy people with big houses or nice cars or better jobs or just people with a more peaceful life. But the psalm says, in the end, it's best to be someone who is like this, continually pondering God's word. So the psalm draws us a really vivid picture. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Now, we're Scottish. We're not short of rain round here. And for many of us, if you plant a tree, you probably have to be more careful about drainage than deliberately putting it by a river. But if we imagine for a moment a tree in a dry wilderness like Judea, up on a hillside or in a field, it may well just die when the drought comes. If it doesn't, it's going to be wizened, dry, twisted, and just kept alive by occasional rain. But if you plant it by a river with water always in reach of its roots, it doesn't matter when the drought comes. It doesn't matter how hot and dry the wind is. It will flourish. Like this valley here, the, the walls, the, the hills, they're dry as dust. But down the bottom, there's a river. You can't see it, but you know it's there because of the green trees thriving. Or like the Nile. There we go again, dry, dusty hills, but down by the river, green trees. And grass, yeah, lots of green everywhere. Because if we soak our hearts in God's word, we find what our hearts need to flourish in this way. That's where life comes from. Our hearts need God's word and they need it all the time. And if we have it, they will grow strong so that even in the droughts, in the hard times, we will be able to keep going with contentment and peace. It tells us, verse 3, in all he does, he prospers. Now, it doesn't mean, of course, that we'll be rich and successful in everything we do. Well, the rest of the Psalms make that very clear. But it does mean that you will grow into the person God has made you to be, and that you will have success in doing good, in Bearing fruit, that's an image the Bible uses so many different times, of growing a good character that has a good influence on the people around you. And then in verse 4, he turns to the wicked. 
Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. You, you expect at this point to say, the wicked are like trees growing in a dry place. But he doesn't. It, it, it's worse than that, he says. They are like chaff. Now, when you grow wheat um, and you, you thresh it, you take it off the stalk, you've got your grain, but you've also got your chaff. You've got the dust that's left from all the bits of husk and stalk. And before machines, they'd do this. They'd take a, a basket of wheat and they'd throw it into the air. And the wind would carry away the light chaff and leave the heavy wheat. He's saying, if we live the world's way, that's how we'll be. We'll become so dry and empty inside that when the wind comes, when the hard times of life come, the challenges come, the wind just carries us away. There'll be nothing solid or strong or lasting in us for those hard times. We won't have had the sustaining power of God's word to build us up. So it's asking, which of these two ways will you go? Will you be a strong tree, not by your own strength, but because you're watered by God's word? Or will you be chaff, dry and fragile and carried away? Just to make that real. So I met with Davy's family this week, and as I said earlier, he died just over a week ago. Uh, you know, if, if you know him, that for the last couple of years, he has not been a well man at all. Um, and yet, when his family come to tidy up afterwards, they find a Bible absolutely full of notes and highlights and scribbles, because he'd been reading over that Bible again and again, and making notes of all the bits that struck him and what he learned. And even in those last two years when he was particularly struggling, and things were hard for him, he was going through the whole, new, whole of the Old Testament over, over the course of two years. And you know, it showed. They were able to tell me that he was able to face the last days, not just calmly, but possibly being Davy Robertson, with jokes, with humor. And to say to his daughter, don't worry about me. That was the effect of being rooted in God's word in his life. The very hardest trial he had, and he was suffering in many ways at the end. He was still able to be confident, not swept or blown away, but to carry on a green tree bearing fruit of joy and peace right up until the last moment. Now, thirdly. Living by God's word leads us safely through the judgment. We've seen that loving the word makes us strong, flourishing trees, and the other way makes us like chaff. And he tells us very clearly now, the effect of that in the end is that those who do not live by God's word will end up as the wicked who do not stand in the judgment. They will not, in other words, be in the great gathering of God's people at the end of time. That way leads to destruction. But it is different for those who love God's word and live by it. It says, the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. You know, he, he knows their way. He, he's, he's looking, he's paying attention, he's caring for them. Now, notice, and it is important, he doesn't say, you know, those who are righteous deserve a place with God and his people. He doesn't say he's going to weigh their works. 
And we've seen since verse 2, it's not about people being good and so being rewarded. But the people, through the kind of trust and faith that leads them to lean on God's word, are the people who are going to be there among God's people at the end. Because God is watching over their way. If we trust and delight in God and his word, then we know that he is knowing and watching over us and he will rescue us. He will make us strong and he will make us stand in that last day. And we need to choose, don't we? And that choice affects us forever. And this isn't just an Old Testament teaching. Um, The New Testament is very clear. You know, we're rescued by faith in God, but in Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ himself taught, didn't he, in twice, in Luke's Gospel and in Matthew's Gospel. He talks about the story of two men, one who built his house on sand and the other built his house on rock. Sand's the world's way, the rock. Jesus is teaching the word of God. When the storm came, the house built on sand was washed away by a flood and the house built on rock stood strong. And Jesus says, you know, if you do not build your house on my teaching, your life will fall like the house on sand. But if you do, if you do build it on my teaching, if you do build it on my word, it will stand strong in the very worst of times. And so, God is setting that choice before us all again. How will we live our lives this year? Will we take the advice of the world that leads to the path that leads to destruction? Or will we aim to delight more and more in God's word each day, to meditate in it day and night? And to remember that that is not just a duty. It's an invitation to a life that is blessed, a life that is happy, a life that is good. He's warning you, but he's also saying, you too can be a strong, fruitful tree, even in the worst of times. My word will give you the strength and the refreshment and the power you need to do that. It will. Come, be blessed, be strong, and delight in my word. Now, finally, let's just think in much more earthy, practical terms. I don't know how you read your Bible at the moment, um, but for each and every one of us, whatever we're doing, this is an invitation for us this year to go a little bit deeper. Perhaps you already read your Bible regularly every day. Um, So for you, this is a challenge to think, what can I do to challenge myself this year? What can I do to go a little bit deeper? Perhaps I need to take a little bit more time simply to think and pray about what I'm reading each day. Or maybe to come back later in the day and to think about what I read earlier, to really impress it on my heart. Or maybe simply to take a single verse out of my reading each day and to think about that over and again through the day. Or perhaps you would benefit from raising the pace you're reading the Bible at. Maybe you um, you read it through reasonably often, but you, you haven't actually gone through the whole thing recently. So maybe you need to start a plan helping you to go through it in a year, two years or a year. I had a friend who, in addition to his regular reading, would go through it uh, every, every Lent in 40 days. That's quite fast, but um, it shows what's possible. The thing is, it's amazing how much the Bible comes to life when you read big stretches of it. Um, because often what we, makes us find reading the Bible hard is precisely we're not familiar with a, with a lot of it. 
It's amazing, as you go through it, how many gems you discover that you'd forgotten about or never knew. Perhaps, though, you don't read the Bible regularly, and perhaps this is a moment to start a new habit. And as with every habit, it's, it's good to start small, practical, something you can really achieve. Perhaps you, you never have had that habit. Perhaps you just need to choose five minutes in each day, whether before breakfast or before bed, to sit down with your Bible and read it. Or maybe uh, while you do the washing up or have a walk, listen to an audio Bible. Um, that's become so much easier nowadays. Uh, you, you, know, you, you can get an app on your phone for free, which will read the Bible to you. Um, I've been finding that a real help in the last year, actually. You, you notice things you don't notice reading by yourself. And if you find reading hard, it's even better. Um, so at the back of the church, I've put out several plans um, that if you are thinking about a plan to read through the Bible this year, um, there are several options. Uh, at the the easier end, there's um, this plan in blue, which is designed for five minutes a day, which they reckon will get you through the New Testament uh, in a year with the weekends off. If you haven't read through the New Testament, it's a great place to start. Great, simple plan. Even if it takes you seven or eight minutes, it's not a great cost. And just going through the New Testament will really strengthen and grow your faith. Perhaps you need more of a challenge. There's a plan that takes you through the whole Bible in two years, and there's a, a couple that will take you through the Bible in one year if you're up for a bit more of a challenge. Uh, or you could use my personal favorite plan, which is uh, just a list of all the books in the Bible and all their chapters, which you can tick off one by one. Um, I find this good because all I need to do is decide roughly how much I'm planning to read each day and tick off as I go. It's not particular pressure, but it makes sure I don't miss bits out. It makes sure that you don't forget some of those books in the Old Testament you haven't read for a while. And when you come back to them, you find how much more alive they are than you'd ever forgotten, than you'd remembered. So do take a, a look at those. Um, there are also lots of options for help reading through the Bible. You know, if you find it hard to understand, I can recommend a good study Bible with notes to help, or books on different sections of the Bible. There are lots of options for that kind of thing. As I say, thinking about an audio Bible, which reads it to you, is a really powerful and helpful thing, especially for getting through some of the longer sections of the Old Testament. They really come alive when they're read to you. Um, but. Finally, I've often had people say to me things like, I can't really read the Bible for myself because I don't have the background, the understanding, the training. I don't know all these things that you need to know to understand what's going on in the Bible. You know, I don't know enough about the culture of the time or the history or whatever. Well, an important secret. Nearly everything that is written in books about the Bible that teach you, nearly everything that you learn, say, in a theology degree, is actually from the Bible anyway. So if you read the Bible, if you read the Old and the New Testaments, and you get to know them over the course of a few years, you will discover that even if you did go and read books about all the background and different things like that, that you actually know most of it already.
You know, I've known old people who left school at 14, who spent their lives herding sheep, who know far better their Bibles, far better, and understand them far better than professional theologians who just don't get around to doing their Bible reading. And that's not an exaggeration. As we go through it, the Bible teaches us to understand it. it. Different parts shed light on other parts that we never thought we could understand. And bit by bit, it makes us wiser and opens our eyes to it. Now, I've, I've gone on a little longer just with that, those practical thoughts, but it's such an important and powerful thing, spending time in your Bible each day. And it will make such a difference to your life. So whether you think about the plans at the back or something completely different, I just encourage you, think of a way to spend a little more time in your Bible each day this year, to go a bit deeper than you have last year, and uh, wait and see the ways in which you are blessed and encouraged by doing it in the year ahead.